In the Gospel according to John, we find some wonderful references from our Lord that contain the words, I am, I am. They are wonderful words because they do not say, I was, but I am. In fact, in one of those instances in John 8, 58, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Not before Abraham was, I was. Before Abraham was, I am. Affirming very clearly the eternality of the Christ, the Son of the living God, the living Word, the Word that, as John, as John records in the beginning of his account of the Gospel, became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, those wonderful I am's in this book. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And this morning I'd like for us to look at another of those great I am's. I am the true vine in John chapter 15. As we read together the first eight verses of this text in John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." Notice that Jesus says, not just I am the vine, but I am the true vine. The figure of a vine and the figure of a vineyard, these figures are used in Scripture from time to time. In the Old Testament, for example, in the 80th Psalm, we have a reference to Israel as a vine. In verse 8 of Psalm 80, the psalmist writes, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root and it filled the land and so on. Also in Isaiah chapter 5, God through the prophet Isaiah refers to Israel as his vineyard that he planted. And yet when he expected the fruits of righteousness, he got the fruits of disobedience and so there, Israel is depicted as a vineyard, in Psalm 80, as a vine. But they were but typical of the true vine, the true vine that would come. And Jesus refers to himself here as the true vine and as the Father, as the vine dresser. The one who authored the plan of salvation that culminated in the coming of the Christ, who is here described by himself as the true vine. And then he speaks of, of the branches that are what? In me. That's verse 2. Every branch where? In me. 
And that's what we want to emphasize this morning. What does it mean to be in the vine? And what are the blessings that flow from being in the vine? Before we see these blessings, we need to clearly point out that the branches here are not representative of various denominations as some have contended because the context simply will not support it, nor will the entirety of the teaching of the New Testament support it. The branches are the individual members of the body of Christ. They are the individual members of the Lord's church. Because in verse 6 of this text, remember he, he said, If any one does not abide in me, not if any religious group does not abide in me, not if any denomination does not abide in me, but any one. He is speaking of individuals who are in the vine. He's speaking of individual members of the body of Christ. If any one does not abide in me, then what? He is cast out as a branch and is withered. It is abundantly clear that the figure is that Jesus is the true vine and that we as members of the body of Christ are in that vine where all spiritual blessings are to be found and that it has no reference to any, any group, religious group, being a part of the vine with the concept being Christ is the vine and all the various denominations comprise the branches. No, this figure is a figure of one vine, the true vine, and one group of branches in that vine, Christians. But what are the blessings that pertain to being in the vine? In the vine, think about it with me. In the vine, first of all, there is purity. That's what Jesus says. This is the context in which he is addressing the apostles in John chapters 14, 15, and 16 as he is about to depart from them, comforting them and reassuring them of the helper that would come, the Holy Spirit who would guide them into all truth, and reassuring them and thus reassuring us here of something that still pertains to us. Obviously, the Holy Spirit coming as a comforter to guide us into all truth has no application to us today, but only to the apostles. He has done that work, and we have that here and now. But we certainly can glean valuable lessons about the blessings that flow from being in the vine that still pertain to us today as Christians. And one of those is purity. In the vine, there is purity. Look at verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remember what Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 17, concerning the apostles on that occasion. He prayed to the Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify, cleanse, cleanse them through the truth. And then he added, your word is truth. And there's a Statement here that coincides with that beautifully here. You are already clean because of the what? Word. You are already sanctified because of the word. You have been cleansed by the word. That's what he reminds the apostles that they had been cleansed by the word. But it's also a reminder to all of us who are in the vine this morning. All of us who are Christians this morning that we have been cleansed. And the only way to be cleansed is through the word which has been spoken by the Lord has been recorded by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been given by the Spirit, has been recorded upon the pages of the New Testament, the last will and testament of Christ for us today. And it is that word, that all-sufficient, all-powerful word that still cleanses us 
today. And of course, there are passages elsewhere in Scripture that remind us of that very point. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 is one such passage. Verse 25, to gain the context, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water. That's baptism. By the word. That's what teaches us to be baptized, the word. If we're in the church today, we're in the vine. And if we're in the vine, we've been added to that vine, grafted into that vine, as it were, by what? Obedience to the word. In the vine, there is purity. No one is in the vine. No one can be in the vine who has not first been purified, sanctified. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Remember what Peter wrote to the Christians to whom he penned his first epistle in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the what? Word of God which lives and abides forever. Again, you've been born again by what? By obedience to the truth, the seed. Not corruptible, but incorruptible. What seed, Peter? The Word of God, which lives and abides forever. You are already clean, he reminds the apostles, because of the Word which I have spoken to you. In the vine there is purity. And as we remain in the vine, there is continual purity. As we, as John reminds us in his first epistle, walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanses, keeps on cleansing us from sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse, perfect, a present tense. Keep on cleansing is the idea, us from all unrighteousness. In the vine, there is purity. Purity required to be in the vine through obedience to the gospel. By believing it. Believing that Jesus is the Christ, repenting of sins, confessing Him to be the Christ, being buried with Him in baptism, washing of water by the teaching of the Word, Ephesians 5, 26. And once we've been added to that true vine, Christ, we remain pure and purified by what? Walking in the light of His teaching, confessing our sins to the throne of heaven, and having the assurance that that blood keeps on cleansing us. In the vine there is purity which tells us that outside the vine there is impurity. There is no possibility of salvation outside the vine. I, Christ said, am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the husbandman. And every branch, what? In me. Every individual must be in me. And in me, he says, there is purity. But there's something else that is in the vine. In the vine, there is progress. Go back to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. That's progress. That's progress. There's progress in the vine. You get better in the vine. You make progress. That's the purpose of being in the vine is to progress. And some of that progress comes from 
adversity at times. Some of that progress comes from withstanding temptation successfully and being stronger as a result of withstanding temptation. Some of that progress comes from trials and suffering and the sorrows that inevitably will come to all in the world. But the Christian can make those trials work for his strengthening, for his progress. Remember what James wrote in the book we've just finished studying on Sunday nights? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be what? Perfect and entire or complete, lacking nothing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 and 7 speak to the chastisement that fathers give to their children because they love them. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Recognizing that the Lord is not going to protect His children from every adversity, but He has given His children everything they need to deal with that adversity and to come through that adversity stronger, making progress. Outside the vine, you can't make that adversity work for your progress. But in the vine, you can. In the vine, there is progress. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. I have a little flower pot hanging on the rail of the apartment there, and it wasn't looking too good the other day on one side of it, looking pretty bad. My wife told me it was looking pretty bad. So I went out there and I pruned it. I deadheaded some of those little petunias. And you know, they're looking good. They're looking good. Now that may have hurt them. I don't think they experienced pain. <laughs> but, but it didn't look real good after I removed what I did. It looked pretty bare. But a few days later, they started to bloom. They started to bloom. That's the whole point here, isn't it? He prunes that it may bear more fruit. He does not shield us from every adversity. But we, if we are in the vine, can make that adversity work for our strength. In the vine, then, the true vine, there is purity. In the true vine, there is progress. But in the true vine, there is also production. There is production. What does he say in verse 4? Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Then verse 5, you are the branches, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. That's production. We are expected to produce as a part of the vine. In the vine we produce. And later he talks about the fact that if we fail to produce, then we're cast forth. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments. But we are to be producers in the vine. I've often said that it is so tragic how hard some people in the religious world work to eliminate work from the Christian's life. They'll work real hard to try to tell me and you that you don't need to work as a Christian. That you can't do anything, and nor are you expected to do anything 
in order to effect or contribute to your salvation. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The Bible is abundantly clear. And this is another passage that makes it abundantly clear. That we are to bear fruit. We are to be productive. We are to work the works that God has ordained. And walk in them, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Jesus, did he not say... I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And the night is still coming when no one can work. But now it is day. And in the vine, we must be workers. In the vine, there is production. We were not saved to sit. We were saved serve. And Paul reminded the Christians at Rome in verse 22 of chapter 6, but now having been set free from sin and having become, listen to it, slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Slaves of God and you have your what? Your fruit to holiness. Fruit, fruit that bears fruit in a holy fashion. That's what we're to be. That's what we're to bear. We're to bear fruit. And so in the vine, there is production. But you know in the vine, there is also privilege. Wonderful privilege. Look at verse 7 of our text. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. You will ask what you desire. That's privilege. That's the wonderful privilege of prayer. To whom does it belong? To the Christian. The wonderful privilege of prayer belongs to the Christian. He who turns away his ear from hearing the law, Proverbs 28, 9, even his prayer is an abomination. Even his prayer is an abomination. Whose prayer is an abomination? The one who turns away his ear from hearing the law. That's the law of Moses in that situation, but the principle is an eternal principle. The law to which we are subject today is the law of Christ. The one who turns away his ear from hearing the law of Christ is his prayer and abomination. Indeed, I would conclude that it is. Because we must be in the vine to have the privilege of prayer. But that's what he depicts here. Ask what you desire. And that reminds us of something else in the vine, and that is promise. Because in the next phrase, after saying, ask what you desire, he adds, and it shall be done for you. That's promise. In the vine, there is promise. The promise of what? Well, the promise here of prayer being heard. The promise of prayer being heard by the God of this universe from every Christian's heart who prays. Does it mean that every prayer will be answered in exact fashion as it is prayed? No. Sometimes the answer is no because God knows best. We don't. Sometimes the answer is wait a while because God knows best. And sometimes the answer is yes because truly what we are asking for, God knows we need then. But it's always answered in accordance with the will of God if it's prayed in accordance with the will of God, by one who has that promise. And the one who has that promise of answered prayer is the one who's in the vine. The one who is in 
the true vine. Oh yes, in the vine there is purity. In the vine there is progress and production and privilege and promise. But in the vine also, in the vine also, there is praise. By this, verse 8, my Father is glorified. Glorified. How do we glorify God? And what does it mean to glorify God? It's equivalent to praising God, to giving Him praise, to giving Him honor, to giving Him glory. We praise God in the vine. Now you can say, well, I know a lot of people who are not in the vine. And they, they are claiming to praise God. I know that. I know that to be the case, yes. But are they truly praising God in the sense that they're bringing glory to Him as they seek to praise Him? The answer is no unless they are part of the true vine. Because only in the vine can we glorify God. Look with me at another text in Ephesians chapter 3. Remember the church is equivalent to being in the true vine, isn't it? You can't be in the true vine without being in the church for which the true vine shed His blood. Jesus Christ. And listen to what Ephesians 3 and verse 21 reminds us. To Him be glory in the church. Glory, praise. Glorifying God. Praising God. To Him be glory. To God be what? Glory or praise. But listen to it. In the church by Christ Jesus. To all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What is Paul telling us there? Paul is telling us you cannot glorify God outside the church for which he shed his precious sinless blood. You cannot do it. You cannot praise God, the vine dresser, here without being in the true vine, the Son. And to be in the Son is to be in his church. And thus there is praise that is offered acceptably to God through Jesus Christ by those who are in the true vine. And we talked this morning in Bible class about the zeal for God that Paul recognized his fellow Israelites possessed. They possessed zeal. And we talked about the fact that there are those today in the religious world who possess tremendous zeal, and they demonstrate their zeal by making tremendous sacrifices that they believe to be sacrifices that are made for the God of heaven and for His glory and for His praise. But the key is, are those sacrifices made as a result of being in the true vine? If not, if not, their zeal is not according to knowledge, and therefore it will avail nothing in the final judgment. And that's a tragedy beyond description, but a tragedy that is a reality nonetheless in the world in which we live. Therefore it behooves us to know that we are a part of the true vine. In that vine we may offer praise and glory to God. And as we do, as we do, that's proof. And that's our final point. As far as those who are in the vine, they are proof 
as a result of all of these things that are theirs in the vine and all of the things that they do as a part of being in the vine, all of that supplies proof to themselves and to those around them that they are truly followers of God. Look at verse 6, beginning again. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire, it'll be done. Now verse 8, by this, by this, what? By this my Father is glorified that you do what? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Proof. Proof of discipleship. You can't prove your discipleship outside the vine. Only by being in the true vine. And by being productive in the vine. Purified in the vine and remaining pure in the vine. Making progress in the vine. Enjoying the privileges that yours in the vine. The promises that are yours. And offering the praise that you can offer in the vine. And thus supplying the proof. So you will be my disciples. But in conclusion, there's one other word, and it's the word for those, all those who are outside that true vine this morning. And for them, verse 6 reminds them, there is punishment. All of these wonderful blessings that we have described in the vine, in the true vine, are wonderful beyond, beyond comprehension to those who fully appreciate them and possess them. But for all those outside the vine, what awaits them? The Lord tells us in verse 6, punishment. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. That's the thing that awaits those outside the vine, punishment. To those who are in the true vine, all of the wonderful blessings and more that could be depicted, but all of the blessings we have described from this beautiful text this morning are yours in the true vine. And the only thing that awaits you outside the vine is punishment. Doesn't that persuade you as you contemplate the words of the Lord himself to become a part of that true vine? in the only way that you can, and that is by being purified, as we talked about earlier in this lesson. Purified how? By obedience to the truth. Sanctify them through your truth. Jesus said, your word is truth. And that word simply tells us to believe with all of our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John 8, 24, Jesus said, unless you believe that I am He, I am. There we are, back to I am. Unless you believe that I am, that I am who I am, the eternal living word that became flesh and dwelt among you and died for you. Unless you believe that and act upon that faith, you'll die in your sins outside the vine. But if you'll believe that and act upon that belief by repenting, changing your mind about where you are outside the vine and determining to be a part of the true vine, 
That's repentance. And I tell you, no, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There's the punishment again. Repent. And then confess Jesus to be the Christ. Sweeten your lips with the most significant confession that has ever been or ever shall be made before mankind and before the Lord God in heaven. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God, confess me before men, Jesus said. I'll confess you before my Father. Matthew 10, 32. And then, and then undergo the washing of water according to the word, the teaching of the word. What word is that? Oh, so many that could be cited. How about he who believes and is baptized will be saved? That's all you would need. Mark 16, 16. But there's so many other precepts and examples that clearly show that your faith is not the truly obedient faith that pleases God until it has culminated in your being buried in baptism according to the commandment of God where the blood of Christ awakes to wash you from sin. Not the water, but the blood that is applied while you're in that water. That's the way God has decreed it, and that's how we must comply with it. There's punishment outside the true vine, but there's power in the blood that is applied in the water to make you a part of the true vine and to purify you from sin. If you haven't done that, please do it now. And if you need to come home to your first love in repentance and confession of sin, do that now as we stand and sing to encourage you.